All right, uh, welcome to I-35 Highway Podcast. Come we on. got a name this week. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Uh, my name's Dylan. I'm here with Luke and David, and we are here um, blessed. blessed. We are here, and we are yes, blessed. Sir. Come on. Uh, how has your last week been, Luke? Well, it's been pretty good. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was I was on a little uh, vacation to go visit some you know some kingdom friends at another state for a few days, and I come back and find revival bust out. Come <laughs> so, on, yeah. You know, we had a little staff meeting at the church, just gonna go over a few things. And Pastor David came kind of came in with a piece a friend had shared with him, and the Holy Ghost really blew on it, and we just had a revival meeting instead of a staff meeting. And come on, yeah. we had. A whole bunch of folk get saved this week, and then we had some people survive some car wrecks. It's oh, been yeah, yeah. it's been a people. wild it's been a wild weekend, David. Yeah, man, it's been a good few days. Yeah. My spirit uh, is just stirred. I'm I get so excited just thinking about it. <laughs> I got a bunch of thankfulness in my heart. I woke up with it this morning. So good, so good, and I, I, uh, man, just a wild couple of days. I don't know about you guys, but. It's it's Monday morning and I I I'm thankful now. You wouldn't understand. I don't wake up with like the Monday morning quarterback blues thinking about what was Sunday because Sunday is not my whole life and that's a glorious witness to yeah. the you know the new and living way that we're living in. Well, that's Come a on. glorious witness to the last month because the first couple of weeks I was here, it's like, oh my God, how am I going to do to get David free from that Monday morning quarterbacking thing? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that's been happening. Yeah, fast, a couple of. I believe it. I see it. Like I see the witness of it. But. Yeah, yeah. A couple of. Uh, it, well, all it takes is the Holy Ghost, <laughs> right? Uh, but uh, a couple of those rich things that have just been happening. Uh, that and being able to hear my own voice in audio the other night when you we were playing the uh, the worship from Sunday morning yes. when Matt was here yes. and and my uh my exhortation came on I was telling Luke that uh that I listened to it and it didn't grate on me come on <laughs> like I let I let uh whatever the Lord was saying through me minister back to me so yes. there's all kind of witnesses that I'm coming further <laughs> out of uh preacher mode and all of that performance and so Bro, I guess when revival happens, you don't know what's going to pop up, what's going to, what he's going to do. Yeah. Super good, man. And I went and played golf with my wife this afternoon. So I'm, that's I'm amazing. Living, I'm living in joy, man. Yeah. <laughs> my wife is interested in playing golf. My and, God, you just made every preacher on here jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I didn't, I didn't force it. I, we, uh, there's a couple of things that we do together. One is we'll go and, 
and hit golf balls. We go to Top Golf or whichever one it is. And then we watch we like to go to minor league baseball games, believe it or not. So wow. those are those are two of our like the dream date for my wife would be if we would go to a minor league baseball game and then go hit top golf afterwards or in either order yeah, yeah. and it would be fantastic so i took her out to the range to see whether or not she liked it and she she was all smiles when i said we're gonna have to get you a set of lady clubs she was digging that so that's awesome bro uh, uh hope there's, <laughs> there's a, there is a hope set before me yeah. in this moment so i'm i'm all joy how about you dylan oh man i have had i've had a a very awesome awesome last few days obviously like uh saturday was an interesting night yeah and like even though our really good friend was in a car accident it ended up being an amazing time yeah like it was. god saved his life uh and then we got to minister to people at the hospital that was really cool and then he saved his kids and yesterday. then sunday morning even after the car accident he is like still in church busted face busted face feeling like he got hit by a train and his kids got saved on sunday morning come on somebody and, uh, come on, dude man. that's just amazing well, and, and for those who are listening to you know know us i mean a little context like the brakes went out and he went flying my right five feet in five the air feet that, in right? the air at 45 miles an hour and came out of it without a broken bone yeah that's right. no internal bleeding that's no right. concussion you know? the only thing that came out broken was uh his phone and his lip yeah that, that was that was it yeah and so and then but those girls yesterday and and him i think that like uh part of the beauty to it to me was like it wasn't it wasn't like a forced anybody who's ever you know if you've been a part of a church or or you've just been in in the kingdom long enough if you've been a part of a church but you've never had a kingdom family um it was so beautiful for me, right, as like uh, just watching that genuine friends came like family rallied together, not because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. But like because we we love each other and we just like, man, I, I know what this dude means to me. And I know what we mean, what he what what we mean to him. And so like, why would I not be there? So it wasn't. Uh, just another witness uh, maybe that's the third witness is like i didn't i didn't feel the um the pressure to go visit somebody in the hospital like an obligation it was right. you know there's a real family dynamic dude when i got the text i was like i have to go yeah like there was no question it yeah. was just like i have i have to go to the hospital now yeah my like, friends I have in to there pray for my friend now yeah come on yeah it's different mm -hmm. it's different yeah. mighty god and you got new shoes. And I got new shoes. Yep. And and, uh, it, and you've been married how long? I've been married four months. So it's time to go jogging off that good being cooked for. Wait, yeah, is man. that what that's about, dude? Yeah. The uh, somebody shout. <laughs> <laughs> my my wife is a really good cook. Yeah. Uh, she she makes like a roast and mashed potatoes and stuff and. Uh, the first time she ever made it, I, I ate everything that she didn't eat. And she was like, honey, um, we can't do that again. Like, <laughs> we, we need to make this more than one meal. Yeah. And I'm like, 
Okay. <laughs> but it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I don't know whether or not you put on any weight. Personally, I, I'm not saying that that's the reason why you're going running. I just know that that's what happens once yeah. we get married. Yeah. So I I have gained weight since being married. Come on. I have. And I'm going to have to run away from it. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought running shoes. <laughs> oh, glory to God. So... Uh, the last podcast that we did, we we kind of ended with uh, wanting to talk about knowing each other in the spirit uh, and not of the flesh, and that really that really is honor, right? It doesn't just tie right. into honor; it is honor. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Luke, you had you had something you wanted to start with that. Yeah, and I think honor. Uh, every place I know of that is having a significant move of the spirit that I would recommend to to you. It honors a core virtue in it, you know? Um, So I I think we're seeing the fruit of cultures that embrace honor and it's good. And I've, I've been living in cultures that embrace honor and it's good because there's things that um, a lack of honor has really hindered us as as believers because I don't know, uh, you know, who's listening to this. I don't know how much you guys really know about like church culture, but they, a lot of times people will tell you if if preachers are talking amongst each other's leaders meetings or whatever, they'll tell you, you know, you, you can't get too close to the people, right? Because they'll, they'll lose honor for what you say. I'm like, well, I don't want to have to live like that as someone who's ministering. That sounds awful, right? I want to be able to have some friends, right? (laughs) Amen. Uh, But yeah, yeah, it's not like what they said came out of nowhere because a lot of people, because the reality is, you know, uh, we've got stuff. All of us do. You know, I can, you know, and the closer you get to someone, the more you can pick them apart if that's what you want to do. Yeah. And so what? how do you create a culture where people can get close to each other and still receive from one another? Because if you get to where you can't receive from one another, you know, what, what is the trade-off between that and closeness in community? I mean, those two things should be working together, not apart. Yeah. Right. You know, and that only happens if you have a culture that is very intentional about saying, listen, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to get to know this person well enough to realize, you know, hey, you know, they don't have all their junk together. You know, they may... Uh, they may have things about them that irritate me or that I w- wish were different or, you know, um, man, these people can't administrate anything. And why is it taking, uh, you know, man, why are these people late for all these meetings and all that kind of thing? And you can let that stuff ir- grate at you until you can't actually hear what a man and God said. But I'm telling you, if you go through history, you know, study Martin Luther, for instance, one of the greatest ministers who ever lived, one of the most influential men in history. Yeah had some pretty terrible things you know you can find things he said about the jews that you're like oh my god uh you can't say that martin you know uh you know some foibles of how he treated people that disagree with him sometimes you don't always like and yet at the same time god uses him to completely revolutionize the church you know and so what happens is we have to be able to you know there's an old saying it's a little bit of a cliche but of of eating the meat and spitting out the bones of people that, that we have to be able to say i may not like everything about this person whether it's a minister whether it's a person sitting on the end of the row whether it's my wife my kids you know my mom and dad yeah you may not appreciate everything about them but you need to appreciate they're made in the image of god 
that uh, if they're a believer, they're the temple of the Holy Ghost, mm-hmm. you know, where the Holy Ghost dwells among us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that they've, no matter who they are, I mean, they could be homeless, right? But th- th- God had created them for good works that he prepared beforehand that he should, right? There's There was a plan for, for them in their life. Uh, and you need to be cautious about um, not allowing familiarity to uh, to hinder your ability to receive from them. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I love the point that you make, right? Because when we talk about honor, we're talking not just about that when we say honor, we, and again, like uh, just to come from the place where, where we are and where we've been from and, and talking about like coming into a more kingdom way, right? Something has to replace, right? The, the, um, the dynamics of of systematic religion where you are climbing a ladder or where you are looking for accolades or where you're where where you're um, functioning in a you know in a place where you're trying to earn or something like that something replaces that like that dynamic is not supposed to be present in the kingdom and it's it's in place of something else and the something else that all of that is in place of is honor hmm. it's in place of the the spot of we are all created in the image of god and you there are you know when you were born again there are dynamics about the way that god made you that that if i know you in the spirit and i see you by those then all of a sudden our culture has in it or our relationships have in it a deeper richer um, dynamic to them because we know who each other are in a different way. And you don't get to that unless you make it through the messy stuff and choose to see them, uh, you know, in, in, yeah. in not just their best, but in, in the spirit, in who right. they are in the spirit and in the way that the Lord sees them. You don't get to that unless you choose that. And, and that's what, that's what honor does. And that is a, that's the, that's, the way that the kingdom is intended to work, right? Like that's, we are, we are made for discovery and we are made for communion. We're made to walk in the spirit and we're made to walk in community. And, and when we do that together, we do it in such a way that, that it creates history together and an understanding of one another and an operation that allows us when we come together to be to be richly connected by by something and what that something is is a knowing of each other and what that knowing of each other is is an honor for who you are in the spirit Mm -hmm. and so it sounds like Sounds like something that you put in your bag, but it's really not like honor is honor is is a lifestyle. It's it's a it's a it's a choice to see like God sees. Yeah. And and that's that's where we it changes our eyes, it changes our ears, it changes the dynamics of our relationship. It changes all of that. And and that allows us that that is when we do that then we can jump in together when you know we can know hey look here's a moment where 
such and such is going to minister. I know this. I mean, I can come in here with the people that I run with and I can be in relationship. And I just know, like, there are times where I just know to quiet down because I know, like, a pastoral word is going to come from Luke. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. I just will sit back a moment because I'm like, this, I don't have to be everything. And that's what honor does. Right. Right. It says, you know, I don't have to be everything or I don't need to, you know, somebody else's gifting doesn't challenge me. I, I, mm-hmm. yeah. Somebody else's dynamic doesn't challenge me. Right. Yeah. I think because, um, you know, we're pretty unapologetic Pentecostals. Right. But, Absolutely. But if you want to yeah. know why, why do some people get soured on kind of the more charismatic expression of the church that we embrace? And some of it is because there's been a tendency in the Pentecostal charismatic world to to get into uh uh, and you see it in the book of Corinthians, you, uh, you know, there's this con- gift contest thing, right? right. Where people, uh, yeah. uh, you know, ha- someone always has to, this person always has to be the one that prophesies and this person has to elevate themselves against and, and it really crept into leadership with this person can preach better than that person. This person can sing better than that person. And it became this this contest uh, of of giftings, and we talked about that a little bit last week. When we talked about leaving, you know, the machine paradigm ministry or whatever. Some of where that comes from, well, it's envy, right? Paul says, "Why do you have divisions among you? You have bitter envy in your heart." Yeah. But what is the antidote to that? He goes That's on right. to say, "You have all these different gifts in the body, you know, and you need to value the. I can't say to the foot, I have no need of you." So the thing about honor allows us to be able to. Uh, to not have to be the one that do, that puts on the show, you know, when when things are moving, because we can sort of trust, like, you know, I've got friends that I minister with that I'm sort of like, you know, like you said, like I can be like, oh, this person's about to have the prophetic word if we need a prophetic word. This is, uh, you know, this person's about to start perceiving healing in the room because they've got a healing gift. This person's about to see this opportunity for, for intimacy. And when you walk with people well enough, you can sort of know what their lenses are and what their gifts are and how you can flow together and, and make it all work. Um, and it really causes people to be able to, uh, to function together. I mean, God, you know, the one man show is not a biblical way of doing things, right? There's this, even the way he set up the ministry, it's apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, five distinct, you know, uh, five distinct giftings there. And so there's something about being able to honor what everybody brings that, um, that not only is good for the church as a whole, but it's also good for us because the scripture says, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. And if you receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, you receive a righteous man's reward. And so if you're able to say, Hey, now's the moment where I can sort of unleash this person's healing anointing, or this is the moment where let this person prophesy your honor for what they're doing actually enables you to grow in that thing. Cause you receive their reward yeah, through honoring them. And, and not just, and we're talking about like, and I love, I, I love the point that you make and, and I want to get, I want to make sure that what, because we value those things that we're talking about and, and not in, uh, not in an unhealthy way, not in a like, um, this is the end unto itself. I don't, I don't want to make a mistake about that. Like giftings are not an end unto themselves. Good services are not an end unto themselves. Like healing is not so that we can say, you know, look, some, we were there when somebody got healed or such and such, you know, it's not, it's not even about that. It's just about that. This is the way that we believe that the kingdom is meant to operate. Right. 
right and yeah. and and for us to for us to be praying that it would be on earth as it is in heaven, then we need to be operating according to what. Yeah, I'll stop gave. caring about healing as soon as people stop getting sick. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Hey, we're yeah. right, right. Yeah. It's a necessary. It's a necessary dynamic <laughs> right people now. Stop right? getting sick. I'm not going to push for it anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. And it won't be our identity either, yeah, right? right? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, so it's not just an end unto himself, but but because of the age that we live in, where we. We are in this in this restorative process that God is working. It's a necessary dynamic, and it's one that if we were to say, like you, you wouldn't say, you wouldn't say, well, we don't need. You know, I, I think about like when people talk about it. My, I don't want to defend the the charismata right now. It's not my job, but but we're like the same people that would say prophecy will cease don't think the teaching has ceased <laughs> right and that's in the same verse right so where there's one gift among another above another right so you're so you're exalting one above the other right so it really is a lack of honor and it's a it's a lack of honor for it's a lack of honor to me for in light of the culture of the world, right? And and our dynamics, what makes them and what over generations will make this kingdom dynamic um, more and more fruitful in the generations to come is that we don't we don't give it less honor and give more honor to like gathering people or, or, you know, what, and those are, that's also a glorious thing. There's nothing against that, but, but as we value, as our kids and our grandkids hear us talk about one another, and that's a, that's a huge part of it is it does give us legacy. That's one of the things that is so important when I was thinking today about honor, um, was one of the things that's so important about honor is, you know, you talked about Martin Luther. You can talk about like anyway, anything that we don't have honor in, that's in that we've seen God do, then we're going to be susceptible to go back and try to search it out for ourselves, right? When it's already in our midst, right? And so, what honor does when you think about anybody that's been in your life that's that's of an older generation or that um that you and we can get into what honor is and how it's played in our life that's a, that's a good place to go from here just talk about how like I can testify in my own life that <clears throat> that operating in honor brought things into my life because I could honor what these men carried and what they were saying I didn't have to take the long, I didn't have to cut tall grass where there was already a path. Yeah, come on. Right? And, yeah. and that, that is an overlooked dynamic of honor is it allows us to retain mm -hmm. in the kingdom what is already, what God has already established. Yeah. Right? And this is what I believe, and this is probably on a much larger scale. I believe if we'll learn to honor, then we'll stop going from thinking we need another revival, and we'll start to see the way that they're linked like a chain yes. together. Yes. Yes. Towards a glorious future. Yes. Right. Because we will will honor every moment, and we'll honor. Right. Because what what makes us think that we need another revival? Like it, like we're in an operation of the spirit right now. We can say like the past few days has been it's been, been pretty revivaly. It's pretty been pretty revivalish, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's felt pretty revivaly, right? right? If that's a word, right? So what if we come back next week and it's not exactly the same? Are we going to say that it fell off? Only if we can't honor mm. 
what the Lord's doing in the moment yeah, as a part of a much larger dynamic. And I think if you pull that out on the grander scale, right? I remember reading the end of Frank Bartleman's book. And if you don't know who Frank Bartleman is, right? He was the, he really was. We, we talk about William Seymour with the Sousa Street, but Frank Bartleman was in San Francisco for like two years before before uh, William Seymour ever shows up. And when William Seymour- no, Los Angeles, yeah. What's that? Los Angeles, yeah. I, I'm sorry, Los yeah. Angeles. Well, I think he was in San Francisco oh, okay. first, but you can, but um, at Los Angeles. And then and then when they pray, they're praying in Frank Bartleman's house. It's like they get into like eight hours a day prayer. But he had been the one that had been praying in the Baptist church before they invited him to leave. They locked the doors one night on the prayer meeting. And so he, they were tired of waiting for revival. He had been prophesying revival came, was coming. But he, he's there in Azusa Street. And at the end of his book, um, and I wish I knew the name of the book right now. I think it... Maybe. I have it. I think I think it's when revival came when Pentecost came to Los Angeles. I think was the name of it. Is that the the, the, the it's the little it's authored by him by Frank Barman. Yeah. Well, I think it was printed under that name and under another title. That's the one I have. I think is used uses that title. I think. Okay, so if, if you read the last chapter, he talks about. You know, he's later in his life, obviously, and he's lived like through the healing revivals and some of that stuff. And he talks about how, you know, um, about how what what God longs to do is not to do this and stop and do this and stop, but for it to be a continuation and a build upon and a build upon and a build yeah. upon. And he said, we'll really see a sustained revival when we start to believe that way. Mm-hmm. And part of what we need to start to believe that way is not to believe that if I don't want to, A.A. Allen is healing people that once A.A. Allen is not around that all of a sudden now we, you know, the right. gift left with, but to actually honor, this is what the Lord is doing. And for us to do that, we have to know each other by the spirit, know the operation of spirit, which goes deeper than just knowing what either, each other's gift is. It right. actually goes to, yeah. I know when you're in the room and I know the, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I, it goes way deeper than just gifting it. It really is knowing the, the heart of a man. I mean, I, I, I don't want to. Used to talk back in the day about how like you could tell when Pastor Frank walked into the sanctuary. On Dude, Saturday. I was just about to say I can tell when David yeah. walks in. Yeah, like I can be over here praying, and when he opens the door and walks in, I know David's here. Yeah, and and I can say that about lots of people, mm-hmm. and pro- and some of it is probably because like I can do the same thing with you, and I and I can tell when. Uh, and I don't want to get too off track or like confuse anybody, but I can tell when, and part of this is having a father's heart. I think, I think God gives this grace, but I can tell when the anointing has come upon you or upon you and not, not that you're not anointed all the time, but I can tell when there's an, where the, when you've got into a place where the Lord is now do, doing something that's getting ready to, that he wants to do because I can sense, I can sense it with crystal. I mean, like I, I can just sense it because I know you and I don't, and I know you with my eyes closed as well as I know you with my eyes open, which I think is, is a dynamic that God uses. I think what ultimately what you're saying and what we can get into talking about honor is the question is, can we know people that way with our eyes open, see their insufficiencies and love them as being fellow human beings, which which adds a whole nother dynamic, which means we all get to be ourselves. Right. which adds a whole nother dynamic, which means we get to be family, which adds a whole nother dynamic, which means I get to be satisfied and not feel like a performer. Yeah. Which adds a whole nother dynamic, which means that we get to live in a community that doesn't have to depend on a Sunday morning. Yeah. And 
I I just want to say real quick uh, and just kind of touch on it because we we started to talk about it in the beginning of this conversation. Uh, I'm sorry. I know I took that a long way. It's all good. So I think it's great. I think this conversation is is important. And um, I think everything we've talked about thus far is is necessary. But um, what's been what's been coming up with me is that to kind of summarize a lot of what we've been talking about. Uh, if we know each other in the spirit and we're honoring one another, whether we're in a position of ministry or not, does not matter, right? But if we Amen. can honor each other in that, then when we come together on Sunday into worship, we don't have to like muster up anything mm-hmm. to get into yeah. the spirit. There you go. We're honoring each other as we are in the spirit. We see each other as God sees us. So we're not, we're not offended by each other. We're not, so we're not good. coming in here with any of that stuff, right? Because we're, we're beyond that now. Like we've realized who each other is. We know we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we're going to come in here and we're going to be grateful. And we're going to worship God from, from that place, right? Like the revelation we got this week was that Jesus is the high priest and he tends the flame, right? Yeah. And so when we can honor each other, from that position, we can all go up yeah. on Sunday morning. And I, I love what you said, and I think this is a good segue into just talking about what honor is. I, I think about like, I can't remember who said it. I think Bill Johnson said this. He said, honor is being able to see someone for who they are without discounting it by who they're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think when you live in that dynamic, when you talk about just being able to, when we get together, for there not to be moments that are church and then, you know, to put to death the performer. Like if that means that if I see you and you're having a bad day, I don't all of a sudden think like, oh my gosh, he's changed. He doesn't love Jesus anymore. (laughs) I need to fix him. He's just like, bro, he's having a bad day. Let's give him a moment, You, you know, like, and that's, that's, that's a, that's what friendship looks like, which is, which is the, which is what Jesus called us, Mm -hmm. right? Like he, he said they got to a place, they had been in an upper room together and, uh, they were going to spend a bunch more time up there. He said, I no longer call you servants. I I call you friends. Right. And I think there's something deep and rich about friendship, but, you know, and I think, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll never make it through a show without a Damon Thompson quote. So yeah. just as long as I live, it's just not going to happen. That's, well, that's we that. don't want it to happen. Yeah. No, we don't want it to happen anyway. But, you know, he, he ta- taught us one time, I, we used to go to his church in South Carolina when he was there, and, you know, he taught us one time about how you have the four living creatures that circle around the throne, and they've got the face of an eagle, of a lion, of an ox, and of a man. Super as good. they circle the throne, the lion doesn't start looking like an ox. Come on. Right, the ox doesn't start looking like the eagle, and so yet good. you become what you behold. They're becoming more like God, but it doesn't mean that they're going to look exactly like each same. other, right? Yeah. And so I think sometimes we struggle with uh, the idea that that the only way to have unity in the church is to fit into some mold of of uh, everyone being you know uh, like each other. I think that yeah. causes church splits and all kinds of stuff, you know. And and I think I mean, there's a lot of people that kind of wandered away from church because the, um, because they they just were not built to fit into some cookie cutter Christian culture. Yeah. And yeah. like, listen, I mean, if I had to, I uh, like you can. You listen. I mean, if if you can listen to Stephen Curtis Chapman and get rocked, I 
bless you, you do you. But if I had to listen to K-Love for an hour, I'm jumping out of the truck. Yes, sir. I'm just I'm just not going to be able to do it. Sorry. Yeah. Don't ever come up to me and say, oh, you've got to see this movie. Some church in Texas home produced this incredible thing. But I'm like, no, I'm not going to like it. It's yeah. just, you know, right. And so uh, we feel like we've got to like push everyone into this box of they have to be a certain certain way because we think that um, we're not able to sort of honor people in their uniqueness uh, the the way that um, the way that we should a lot of times I want to say this about honor too because I feel like there was a definitional thing I guess we didn't lay down which is what exactly does honor mean because there's a lot of ways in which basically having a culture of honor more or less means just having a culture of love at some level but it's deeper than that because we put all these sort of sentimental meanings to that word you know uh and, and with honor it, there's a specific the word when it talks about to honor in the old testament in particular in hebrew it uses uh the word kabod which is what means weight i mean basically to honor is to put weight on or to not treat frivolous so um so when the New Testament tells us to, because the same idea kind of carries through, when it tells us something like, you know, do not despise prophecies, right? It means honor them, treat them. It doesn't mean you don't judge them, right. but it does mean you don't treat it as a common thing that someone's spoken for the Lord. You, you say, I'm going to hold this up. And if it bears, in, if under inspection, it bears right, I'm going to hold on to it with my whole heart, you know? Yeah. Uh, so when the scripture says honor your father and mother what does it mean put weight on your father and mother right yeah um, you know if you're a child that means you obey them if you're 40 that looks a little different but you still have to value them and put you know an appropriate weight on that relationship you know there's you know this trend of people just you know writing their family off because they had a few spat it's not healthy for our society it's not the way god designed us to function right you know you're the first commandment with a promise is honor your father and mother that your days would be long on the earth you know um so uh it's important to god that we learn to uh to honor people which means to put weight on them and one of the first if you go into uh uh you know uh, my uh, former pastor johnson dorn had some wonderful teaching on this that the first step of dishonor is actually to like turn your face away from someone like there's a word picture in in hebrew of that in in uh in a passage in exodus i have to look it back up exactly where it is but uh there's this idea that to dishonor starts with the slight turning of the head away and if you're not careful it can end with your back turned to the people, you know, and being completely in isolation. And so um, there's a story with Jesus, right, where Jesus is preaching in his hometown. It's in uh, Mark chapter six, among some other places. And he begins to get up and preach, and the people start to be astounded. And they start to say, we, we are hearing things we have never heard before. You know, the Messiah is in the flesh. He is preaching. The, the voice of God is speaking from a human tongue. And the, the people are blown away. It says even beside themselves until someone in the crowd raises their voices. Wait a second. Isn't that the carpenter's son? Isn't his mom and dad that that Joseph and mom and Joseph and Mary are his mom and dad, right? And you know that that wedding happened a little fast, you know. And we always wondered, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, she said she was a virgin. That doesn't make any sense, right? And so people start like, 
whispering and yeah, I'm, I'm making hand gestures and forgetting that you can't see it. I'm sorry. <laughs> my, my bad. Uh, my bad. I can uh, see them. Yeah. People, people are just uh, frustrated. You know, they, they're starting to think, ah, we thought this was the guy and it turned out this is just the dude from down the street. And it says that what happened was their, their dishonor so created an atmosphere of unbelief that it uses this mysterious phrase that Jesus could do no mighty work there, except he lay hands on a few sick folk and heal them, which means we need to adjust our definition of what a mighty work is. Uh, but, but also, but there, it says that there are things that Jesus intended to do in a place that he couldn't do because familiarity shut down their willingness to receive. Yeah. Wow. And so it's it's gotta we've got to be cautious, especially when we're walking in community with people that because we're familiar with one another, that we don't shut down our ability to receive from one another. Yeah, or shut out, because that's the other thing that honor. So we have been on a journey, obviously, and been talking a lot about <clears throat> like a long path towards redemption, and what we what I mean by that is like. Uh, a different pace, not a, not a rushed, you know, let's, uh, in our, in our walks, let's kind of, um, let's burn ourselves out trying to burn bright kind of thing, mm-hmm. but really allowing the Lord to lead us and, and desiring to, and, uh, and there's, there probably is a fault on the other side I, that of going too slow, but I, I just am not, I'm not afraid of that at this point because, uh, my propensity is towards the other side, right. Is to go. But, uh, it, when you start talking about that and we start, you know, when we start whittling away at the facade and start trying to think about, all right, what is the rich depths of the things, the dynamics of what it means to be a, a new creation? What is the rich dynamics of our fellowship one with another? It's easy to get to feel like you're the only one in that moment because you see whatever, you know, you see the the way that, you know, uh, organization has functioned or you see, you know, that these people are, you know, have grown cold or wh- whatever it is that, you know, comparison is the first thing that, that religion uses. So e- even if we think that we're, it's still the same stronghold, um, even if we think that we are moving in a in a way that is more authentic to the gospel and to its expression. If we do that and we and we um, do it in comparison to other people, then we're still not. It's still the same. It's still the same trap. It's just the other side of the coin, right? It, because it's either performance or comparison or all that. And this honor guards against that. It creates a like. It keeps me from being able to say. I'm the only one which, and I'm going to disconnect because nobody gets it. And this is really a big part of why I think this conversation came up out of the last conversation was, you know, this thing of honor is is so much a value of uh, and a dynamic of the kingdom that it actually is, is the thing that keeps us from thinking that we're the only ones that have it. It's the thing that keeps us from needing to be the one that has it all. And it's the thing that keeps us from thinking that it's okay to 
to flip the system over and now climb on the backs of people that we disagree with instead of trying to climb up their ladder of success, you know, to, to give ourselves some sort of validation. I don't think the Lord is in any of that. And I, I was really thinking about when you said about how the word is kabat, how, how it's weight and how that same word is glory. Right. And about how, um, how, right. The scripture says that those who he called, he also justified and those who he justified, he also glorified. Right. And we put that off to like, we're going to be glorified. Right. But he said, if you've been justified, then you've been glorified. Mm, interesting. Right. So what does that mean that we have now been glorified? It means that we can't keep thinking that the the idea is perfection. Jesus is the firstborn of many brethren and we're being made into the image of him. But but the scripture also says, right, that as he is, we are in this present age. Right. So so there's and I love this quote. I think this is a. It's a quote from a theologian uh, that I will remain nameless, but uh, he he said uh, when Jesus said it is finished, he was he was finishing the sentence of the garden saying, "Let us make man in our image." Right? Wow. So the idea being that our humanity is not something that he is trying to. Um, that he has to alleviate us from in order to be glorified. It actually glorifies. We are actually glorified as sons of Yahweh in a present age with our laughter and joy and pain and suffering and disagreement and the way we work it out. But all of that, all of that humanity is not something that we're, that we're necessarily supposed to escape it's something we're supposed to develop. Yeah. You know, and, and that, that's like the heartbeat behind honor, because then that means that if, you know, the other side of when we talk about honor is the first, what's the first thing people want to do is like find a great prophet and go get a great prophetic word. You know what I'm saying? And that I don't, I don't think that that is, I think that's honor to recognize this person has a unique and, and amazing gifting but not if we do it at the expense of X that lives next door that hears from God is and is in relationship with me would have a depth of life that would speak into me. And that's, that's, I think what we're learning to do more than anything is to learn to, and that's one of the greatest reasons I'm thankful for you coming and for our relationship over the past few years. I think we've been able to wrestle through that, but I think you had maybe just had a, a richer ability to do that because, because I don't know why I think it's part of who you are is that you've always been able to just like see people and, and not be offended. But uh, I think you added some richness to that. And even today, I mean, honestly, hearing you say, man, I, I was thinking I got a free David from the Monday morning quarterbacking, uh, the Monday morning blues means that it didn't, you weren't, you weren't deterred by it. You just thought to my brother, this is, you know, this is something that's important. What is, what does that mean? Does that mean that, you know, oh man, I can't hang around David. He's this. No, no, I, I love him. I just see this thing and it lets me love his humanity in a way that I can see better for him. And that's, that's culture, right? I mean, that's rich. Yeah. And I think if you're, 
if you're waiting for everything to have everything right, you're denying yourself so many pieces to the puzzle. Yeah. Right. Because uh, so so there's a theologian by the name of Kenneth Gentry completely revolutionized my world with his teaching on eschatology and some other things. Mine too. <laughs> violent disagreement about Calvinism, <laughs> violent disagreement about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He's literally written books about folks like us. Yeah. Right. Uh, and yet, if I'd have just said, I don't like him, he's one of those uptight Presbyterians, I'd be missing something that completely transformed my life, right? And so, you know, it, it, that's why it's, it wouldn't, uh, it's so important to be able to say, hey, I get that there's areas where, you know, I am going to not imitate this person, but there's areas where I ought to, yeah. right? And, and so take that to people in, in the pew that you go to church with, you know, or, or people that you're family with. Like, you know, you may be like, look, this person may not have everything figured out about, you know, this person's kids might be crazy, but they really know how to handle money. And maybe they can yeah. help me with that. And then this person may, his finances may be in crazy shape, but my God, he's got his kids, you know, doing right, you know, and I can learn something from them. Right. And so, uh, I remember one time I went to go see uh, uh, Will Hart at a conference. If you're not familiar with him, look up his ministry. He's awesome. Um, and uh, we're, you know, of course, you're hoping that the man of God lays hands on you, right? Uh, and he feels this wind of the spirit to just have, like, some of the kids lay hands on the adults, right? And I've got, there's like this eight or nine-year-old girl comes up to lay hands. And I'm telling you, I could feel purity in that little girl. Like, I've never yeah. seen her. And she doesn't even get her finger to the top of my hand before I go flying like five feet back. <laughs> I know no one who knows me is surprised by this story at all. Uh, but yeah, I, I am a catcher's I, worst I, nightmare. I'm, not, I'm, I'm nothing against a little girl, but that's not saying much. I'm just saying. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, I, but you know, a lot of people would have been like, "Oh, I wanted the men of God to pray for me and I get this little kid." But I'm telling you, like, there was something from that nine-year-old girl that you know was probably more significant at that moment than what it could have received from the man of God. You yeah, know? right. And so we need to be able to to honor every piece of of the body. Yeah, I had a I had must have been an eight year old boy, one of the craziest times that God's ever touched me, and, and I, uh, no kidding. Um, so there was just this banana service one time, and it was it was like we were all down at the altar, and um, I was for some reason on the other side. So uh, Luke and I, when we went to church together, uh, uh, we sat on the same side of the sanctuary of course uh and i don't think it was purposeful that was just our assigned seats right uh the right side of the sanctuary that that was the asylum section i think <laughs> that's exactly is that where all the crazy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, i was over to the left for some reason and i looked up and like this little boy i looked up into the balcony and this little boy was like highlighted like like everybody else looked like an extra and he was standing out. And so I went back to praying for whoever I was praying for. And I turned back to look like 10 seconds later and the kid's gone. I'm like, what was that? <laughs> and I looked down and it's like a scary movie because the kid's right in front of me. I'm like, ah, <laughs> right. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, uh, and he just starts to prophesy to me. He says, I see a crown of 
I'm about to get tore up right now telling the story. He said, I see a crown of fire on your head. And the Lord wants you to know that that crown of fire is there because it is yours and he gave it to you and you can never lose it and there's nothing you can do about it. And he laid hands on me and when he touched me, I was done. Yeah. Done. Oh, wow. He spoke things into my future in that moment about insecurity and about performance that probably are still being manifest to this day. And you know what? I love the point that you make, though, about because we can talk about that stuff like all day long. Right. Um, but I love the point that you make. And I think that that's another dynamic because easy to talk about receiving incredible giftings, but um, or, or whatever, uh, receiving from people that have incredible giftings. But I love what you said. I remember hearing a story about somebody who just and, I, and I've lived this way uh, since then. Uh, somebody who knew somebody else who had like a, a grace for making money, a grace for finances, right? Like they, to most people, they wouldn't have been like super spiritual. You know, not that, come on, man, we're all born again spirit, right? But it, they just might not have been the one with the microphone, but he knew it. And this is like, this is like somebody who, who now is, you know, well-known or, or if for both for, and impact in ministry, but also for, uh, for finance, for being, you know, having some wealth. And, uh, and so he just went over to him and he just was like, I want, I want you to lay hands on me. I want you to pray for me. Would you pray that God would impart to me? Now, how many of us, how many of us think seriously that, you know, there are some things that like, you, you learn because, you know, if you go read the book and if you go do the such and such, but like, when's the last time you like asked somebody to, you know, Hey, look, I know that God has given you victory in parenting, in marriage, in whatever. And be like, Hey, would you pray over me that the Lord would open that same wisdom to me? I think that that's that, that's that dynamic of the kingdom that goes way deeper than the waters that we've even treaded in when we've had, and I, I can tell you that like, there are two things, two things without question that have worked to move me from one place to another, whatever that is, any, any place of um, influence or impact or, or even in life, I would say, because it's just been true. Two things that have worked to mature me more than anything else. Number one, extended periods of time in the presence of God. A contemplative prayer, you can call it. Meditating on the word. Whatever you want to call that. Long periods of time soaking in the glory of God. Right. And I, and, and that has, right. Knowing some talk about honor and knowing somebody by the spirit, right. <laughs> it's good to know when, when I walk in the room, it's another thing to know, to be familiar enough with him to know when he walks in the room. Yeah, right. Yeah. So extended periods of time in the glory of God. And the second one is honor without question. 
like there are there are things that people that went before me that just carried and they just carried and because i honor them i i i inherited some of that and i i just did and uh and most of the tests for honor that wanted to and it didn't change you know how many of you know it, like if if somebody can't administrate it doesn't change whether or not they can heal the sick or it doesn't change whether or not mm-hmm. it doesn't change that they're still doing that mm-hmm. it just because because we haven't yet grown up enough it confuses us and it steals from us right cuz cuz the giftings and callings of God are without repentance like right. he's just there so what we're we're lopsided guess what like like none of us are supposed to be the whole body anyway right right and but all of the challenges to honor were always to be exposed to somebody in their weakness or in something that that was incongruent especially in something i was strong in especially something at the po- at that point that i felt like was a place of strength if I was exposed to that, that was always the challenges. That was always the invitations to come out of honor. I mean, I can, I can say without question, like I, I saw things that in people that just were incongruent and that it's not that it was, I'm not talking about like sin. I'm not talking about like overlook if like, you know, somebody's having an affair and they're, you know, well, they're anointed enough of that. Let's do it. Let's do away with that. Like let's, let's love yeah, each other absolutely. enough. Yeah. We don't, we don't need, we don't need any more anointing. We don't need any more gifting. We, we are probably not being very good stewards of what we've got. We don't need any more broken marriages, trampled children, yes, sir. Uh, financial manipulation. <laughs> but outside of that, when you talk about somebody that loses their temper or, and, and not that that's something that we want to do, but I'm saying if somebody gets frustrated or they act human in front of us, or, or, or we watch them and they, they have, they, they don't have, they, they just have something that is inconsistent to us. It's usually a sign that we put them on a pedestal, number one. Number two, what it's trying to do is to confront in us our inability to be okay with knowing that God loves us and, and has anointed, equipped, and and called, and all of that, us, because nobody knows my insecurities. Nobody knows the places where I deserve dishonor, right, more than I do. So if I start to get into that, you know, I'm going to be judging with the same rod. But also what it's trying to do is steal the ability for us to see, oh, wow, right? God, this that's on them is so valuable. So I don't know. I honor it. those. Are the, those have been the two things for me. So I love having this conversation because I can honestly say that as we talked last week about like the system of religion, about the way of thinking and all of that, I even can say that I honored those men and received from them mm-hmm. without question, without question. 
Yeah, I, and I do want to say, um, I hope this doesn't seem like too dramatic of a change of subject, but I know we don't have so much time. I do have something I really do need to cover, which is, you know, this may be revelation to some people, but I don't think too many people are like offended at the idea of like honoring brothers. But where the invitation, where the, um, excuse me, where the the uh, rebellion kicks in and where you get kickback is people not wanting to honor authority because we've gotten in a culture that's so individualistic. And it's so affected the way we think, you know, we grew up in a democracy, most uh, at least we did that are in this room. And so we tend to think in terms of doing whatever we want to do. Yeah. And in the Bible, that's called rebellion. Yeah. <laughs> and it's as the sin of witchcraft. Right. Yeah. And so I think it's very significant. Uh, you can have all the hunger in the world that you want, but a hunger without order is always going to produce a prolonged seasons of frustration. Yes, sir. And I know person after person, I could, uh, you know, if I wanted to go into <laughs> examples, you know, if, you know, you can, you can want more and be passionate and be excited for God and then also have that rebellious thing where you're wanting to, uh, you know, push your agenda and ha- be right in your opinion all the time and get it uh, on my own. You know, no. yep. And, you know, I never trust anyone who tells me, well, I've got my own thing with God. I don't need to go into church because uh, most of the time, if, you know, look, if you're stranded on a desert island, God can get you through. But if most of the time people that are saying that are saying that because they don't have the humility to yield to needing other people. Right. And so, yes, sir. so it's a, it's usually a, a, a bad sign to me. And so, because scripturally oil flows from the head down, like the, the under the law, like the picture was the high priest literally being anointed with oil and his sons would come underneath his beard and to be anointed through the oil that came down from his head. You know, and we see, you know, Paul says to Timothy, stir up the gift of God that is in your hands, you know, that came from the laying on of my hands, right? If Timothy is not in relationship properly with Paul, there's a gift that he has to stir up that he's not going to have the ability to stir up, Mm -hmm. you know? And so... Um, and so we, uh, were so uncomfortable with anyone having any sort of real authority. Uh, and especially because, and, and some of that is because there's legitimate wounds where people have misused even teaching like this. And I understand that, right? There are yeah. people that, you know, have molested kids and then, you know, criticize the people that call them on it because you don't touch the Lord's anointed. That is bogus. There's baloney. Right? You know, um, uh, so, so th- that is not at all what we're talking about, but if we're talking about like, you know, you don't come out of fellowship with a man because you don't like a decision he made about who to hire as associate. Yeah. You don't come out of fellowship with a man because you don't like the color of the carpet or yeah. because you think that, you know, um, you know, you thought the ministry should go this direction and he went another, like you don't, you're not the judge of another man's servant. No, sir. Right. And so, um, and so what happens then when you are in a situation and, you know, I, I wanted to come back to this because we talked about it a little bit last week. And I just wanted to clarify that people didn't take the wrong message for what we said. Like what happens when you are in a situation where you, you're seeing things that you don't like it? You know, you keep your mouth shut and you honor yeah. until the Lord tells you, gives you a word about where you're supposed to be. And then when you go to that place, you keep your mouth shut and you honor. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think you're bound to stay in the same place forever unless it's the word of the Lord. God might move you around, but wherever he moves you, you're supposed to go to that place and be planted. Yeah. 
you know, you're, you know, the church hopper gets ticked every six weeks because he doesn't like something that somebody said and goes to another church. That person never flourishes. No. You know, that person never flourishes. And so uh, you need to have order, you know, and you need to have people that are in your life enough that they can call you and say, uh, co- you know, call you up on, hey, you're being disrespectful. Hey, you're being covetous. You're, you know, uh, you're chasing the wrong thing. And, and yeah. if you don't have people in your life to tell you that, um, you're really operating uh <laughs> half speed, you know, there's, there's a lot that that you're lacking, you know, um, I value being able to, uh, uh, to have spiritual counsel that I can call to and say, you know, what do you think about, uh, you know, this financial thing? What do you think about this marriage idea? What do you think about X, Y, and Z? And a lot of people be like, I'm not going to let some preacher tell me what to do about all that. Well, you, you do that if you want. I'm, I'm glad to have fathers. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, you know, I think I'd rather have support. I'd rather have wisdom. And, you know, if, if you don't think that anyone you're under has the ability to speak in anything and let me, you know, maybe that's the time you maybe ask is, am I under the right oil? But if the answer is yes, then you shut up and you honor. Yes, sir. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 And, and, and as a, you know, we could go long and hard into that, but I just want to say like to add to that and, and I, I've shied away from, and it's really stole a lot from us as a company, but uh, for a lot of years, because it's really hard for us to talk about that because of abuses. But but it, you only counterfeit something that's authentic, right? And so all of that, the abuses that happen with spiritual leadership and people being submitted underneath of uh, people and it be ending up not well or like what you were talking about, maybe somebody, whatever. The, the reason why that is, the reason why that abuse is so is so prevalent because we really all are born again to submit and one to another. Yes. In our look at every dynamic that God created, there's submission in it, in a marriage, in a household, in a, even that beginning, like honor your father and mother. That's, that's the first promise of the command. I would say that was, that's the first restorative path back to the garden. That's operating with Mm -hmm. a new function. Right. So if it's the first one with a with a blessing, I'm sorry, the first command with a blessing. What is the blessing? Well, blessing is headed back towards God's direction. That means he's adding something. He's not just restraining. He's adding something. What's he's always adding restoration. So when we look about when we talk about like order and honor in function, there's just the honest truth is in every system there is in every in every dynamic there that God has created, there is submission. And to have submission is not a bad thing. To have submission means that we are recognizing that there is an authority in our midst that has that needs to be guarded and needs to have that dynamic present. And and seriously, like like our if we ever want to accomplish this thing of like, let's push back, you know, against the cult, then we're not going to do it unless at some point we get some rank and file. Let's get together. Let's not every, everybody doesn't have to make every decision. Let's all make the ones that we have and let's be wise about this thing. And let's 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 go further in the in the things of the kingdom of God. Let's really do look at fivefold. Let's really do look at elders. Let's really do look at the apostolic. Let's really don't let's really get ourselves in a place where we're not going to just say, hey, we believe in these things over here and these things over here, but we get ourselves in a place where it's going to function. 
And the way that it functions is order. I mean, the the scripture says, um, uh, when it talks about faith, right, we always quote uh, uh, Hebrews 11, right? By, uh, now faith is the evidence of things hoped for and the substance of things not seen, right? And it goes on and it tells all these incredible things that faith does. And then 12 opens up and it says, and by faith, we know that the worlds were framed by the word of God, Right. What is that talking about? It's talking about that what faith opens up to us is not just the the singular lifestyle, Moses and Joseph and, and on and on and on. But it says, and that kind of faith also sees an order and an infrastructure that gives place for these things to operate and gives place where, where this world and that's what order does. That's what honor does. That's what submission does. That's what real kingdom authority does. That's what us believing that our dynamics are greater than the dynamics of the world is it begins to frame something. And what it begins to frame is a place for glory to dwell. Yeah, let me uh, let me ask you something, David, because you've yeah. been a senior pastor for how many years now? Uh, six, six almost. Years. Okay, so you've been doing this for a little while. If someone in your church had a problem with the direction you're going in, what would be the way you would want them to handle it? Mm. That you would feel honored? That's a really good question. It's a fantastic question. I had I had somebody that, that did that. So I, I, can I tell a, a testimony and I'll tell probably the best way that I've seen it done because I've been on both sides of this. So I had somebody come to me. Number one, uh, here's some practical advice. Number one, um, be bl- biblical, right? Be biblical. So come with an honor in your heart, having prayed about what you're talking about. Don't let it be your, you know, your pet peeve or your direction, but, but have honor and, and to leaders have honor too. like be willing to listen. Right. So, um, I had somebody come to me and said, we don't agree. We don't agree with this. Right. So they said, we really want you to pray about it. Um, I've been praying for a couple of weeks um, and we've prayed about this and this is how I feel. And, and for the sake of context, like I'll, I'll tell you what the thing was. So we have the coffee shop. The coffee shop is to support missionaries and to do ministry in the community so that we have a marketplace that's happening, a ministry that's happening in the marketplace here day in and day out. And um, it, 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 was, it, it was just an inception. It hadn't even opened yet. Somebody came to me and said, I've, I have submitted this to my husband. We have prayed about it. I've listened to his direction and we would like to talk to you. I think, I believe that if we open this coffee shop, that the Lord is going to, the Lord is not for it. And there's going to be some negative repercussions because we really feel like it's the equivalent of um, the money changers in the temple. Right. And, but they added this. They told me where they were coming from. They told me why scripturally. They did so in humility. They didn't do it right before I was getting ready to preach on a Sunday morning. They didn't do it in email over, you know, f- from afar with a re- resignation letter in it. They didn't do it in an attacking manner. They didn't do any of that. They waited till the time was appropriate and they said, Hey, we wanted to talk to you about this. We feel like this is from the Lord. And they didn't, they didn't do it in such a way that put the responsibility on me. 
They said, we've prayed into this and we want to share with you what we're feeling and we want you to judge this, right? Um, and, but they added this. They said, but you are our pastor and we want to tell you at the onset that we're, we're with you whatever decision that you make. This is not we're leaving if you do this. This is how we feel. And we think it's from the Lord and we want, we want you to pray into it. And I did. I took it to the elders and I said, knowing that now, knowing that we were financially vested deeply into this cough shot, this is not like, you know, this person said that they had held on to the word for like three weeks. I'm like, three weeks ago, we wouldn't have ordered this espresso machine. You know, like, like <laughs> you, could have saved, you could have saved us uh, thousands and thousands of dollars if you uh, shared this when you, but knowing that, I'm not going to cast that off right. because I trust the integrity of the heart that they came to me with and I understand who they are and I, and I know that they love me. And, that, and that's a, another thing is like, uh, I'll just say this right here because it's one of my biggest pet peeves. If somebody, if you have to have a meeting with a pastor, if there's something you want to share, don't say I need to have a meeting and leave it open-ended. My very next question, I tell everybody this. Hey, what anybody, about? What about? What do you want to have a meeting about? Because just, you just don't give me get the to, notes. Yeah, like. just because you don't. I don't because I don't like coming to an ambush, right? Mm -hmm. I, so, so just uh, what is this about? And then I'll come. You know, well, it's just about such and such, or I'm just gonna, you know, be concerned about you or think there's something wrong with your family. So I took it and submitted it to the elders. This thing that they came and shared with me in a way that was incredibly honoring, and I submitted it to the other elders, and we prayed about it. And we got some wisdom and what it, what ended up happening was I came back and I, I, I prayed into it, asked the Lord how, you know, what we should do about it. And, um, and really came back and it, you know, what it turned out was that there was just one piece that was missing to them. They didn't, they didn't know that all of the profits from this were going to go to missions. Hmm. They thought this was a way for the church to make some money. They thought that it was a, a uh, entrepreneurial endeavor. And their their response was, hey, look, we'll give in to that. Well, let's just give the coffee away if it's going to be ministry, mm. right? And I explained to them the dynamic that it was, you know, uh, I don't know if we can say it, but we know some missionaries that were involved in the setting up of it because it would help on both ends, both the receiving of the goods and of the profits going back out. And so to us, it was more like a long-term bake sale or car wash than it was like a, like right. a entrepreneurial endeavor. It was just something that the Lord had instructed us to do. And the amazing thing is I shared that with them and I never, and they said, okay. And they said, we appreciate that you prayed into it. And they said, huh, wow, okay. And whether or not they agreed with what I was saying after that, they got behind it. Yeah. And then, not only did they get behind it, but like then their family member was the one that started, you know, their daughter was the one that really started the coffee shop from there, you know, and, uh, and they sewed into it and they sewed, Items that they just brought a couple pieces for the coffee shop this past weekend and put them in there, you know, and like, so I think that, I think, I don't know what you can extrapolate from that, but the simple way is, the simple way is have a, 
have a conversation believing that it's possible, number one, for me to be wrong, number two, that I have information that you don't have because I've been assigned to a different place. I think there's, I think it says, and this is so such a blessing to me, right? Is I think it says in the Psalms, it says, uh, I do not concern myself with, uh, with things that are lofty or matters that are too weighty for me. Mm-hmm. And I think about like, I do not set my eyes on things that are lofty or concern myself with matters that are too weighty for me. You know what that gave me a grace for? There's some things that are just beyond my pay grade. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and 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 because I'm submitted in a place, right? I'm like that. That's just beyond my pay grade. Well, and, and keep in mind too that it, as a minister, like there's things that are confidential that you can't share. Absolutely. Yeah. And so because of that, people can have opinions that they're spouting off about a decision you made that you can't share why you made that decision without busting out a bunch of people's junk that would be unethical absolutely and so you know a lot of times the pastor's in a position of not being able to defend himself absolutely and and i would do the same for the person that's that's coming to me and saying why doesn't x why aren't they doing such and such or why isn't x here on sunday oh they probably left because they were mad or they did or maybe they're taking a hiatus or they're taking a step back because there's something going on morally and they're trying to find a dynamic where they can come back into the family. Yeah. And we're trying to make space for that. Right. And how many, you know, so, so I think that they're the, I think the greatest way to do it. And even if you don't, even if you don't agree with the direction, and I think this is why it's so necessary First of all, for us to go so much slower and for us to establish um, that our a communal heart and, and a multitude of voices. I do think a multitude of voices is going to be incredibly important in the days to come in in the body of Christ at, at large. I mean, I think a multitude of voices in in houses. I know that we need apostolic voices, and um, but if we have apostolic voices, they're going to be raising up sons, and those sons are going to be speaking too. And we're yeah. going to so we're going to hear some of that diversity. We're going to hear a lot of that, and we're going to be much more dependent on the Spirit and less. I, I believe the Lord is bringing the body. I, I believe the Lord is bringing His church into a place of maturity, and one of the first signs of of maturity is you don't have to be talking all the time you can be listening sometimes yeah and i think we're coming into a place where all the time we don't have to be um preaching or preached at it and there's going to be sometimes where it's going to be much more much more of a hey we're in this flow together we're teaching people to move in worship and in prayer moments and in the spirit and and being quiet and still and learning the pace and the rhythm that God is moving us at and uh, of heaven. And so I think there's coming a lot more of that. But I think with that, that can only come if we have more honor. Because if we're ever going to move into a different place, there's going to have to be a place to make mistakes. And if there's, if there's no honor, you can't make mistakes. Yeah. In performance, you can't make mistakes. So I think there's a responsibility of the minister to to be open to listen. I've never got any greater compliments. There's two compliments that I think go above all else. Um, and that person I was just talking about is one of the ones that gave me this incredible compliment. It was, I'm so thankful that you listen like you hear me. 
and I know that you hear me. You don't, you don't just placate. You don't just get like, give me time and then rush off. Like you listen. And I've never had anybody do that. And so I'm really thankful for that. Um, so, and the second one of course is if you want to get something, this is probably one of the greatest compliments anybody's ever given. Um, if you, if you want to get a message to pastor David, tell God, because <laughs> he hears God. Yeah. <laughs> he may not have time for you to sit down with him for 20 or 30 minutes. Mm. But if you, if you tell God, he hears God. Mm-hmm. God will talk to him about it. Right. Whew. That's a really good compliment. It's an incredible compliment. It's also an incredible dynamic. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, we've got, we've got like, I don't know, 10, 10, 15 minutes left. Um, I have nothing to add to this conversation. <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, well, well, okay. So, um, I think for me personally, in the context of honor, uh, I, I can say two things uh, right off the top of my head is one, the last church I went to, I wish I knew about honor while I was there. Um, and because I didn't know about honor where I was, I was so eager to leave. And um, I could not... I didn't have the lesson of like chewing up the chicken and spitting out the bones. I didn't have that yet. And I didn't have like the understanding of, uh, putting a person on a, on a pedestal. And then when they do something that's incongruent with what I think, right. Um, I didn't have all of that. And so I was so eager to leave and I was just like showing up to church, uh, because I knew that's what I was supposed to do. Right. And, um, I, I, I couldn't tell you anything the pastor talked about for the last two months that I was there. I have no idea. Um, I would try and like find things to like take with me. And then by the time I got in the truck to go home, it was gone. Like (laughs) I, I just couldn't do it. And I would go down to the altar and minister to people and we were still seeing miracles and we were still getting words of prophecy for people. But, um, I could not, I just couldn't honor leadership where I was, um, because of some things that, uh, I took wrong. There was nothing wrong done to me, but I took things wrong because I was immature where I was and because of that, it, it really messed up me maturing as fast as I probably could have. Yeah. And then I came here and, um, and I'm glad I'm here. Me I too. know, I know God brought me here. I don't know. Um, I'm not going to question God and his timing and, and all that stuff. Um, I think I got here at the time I was supposed to get here. I think he, I think he held me where I was, even if I was unhappy with where I was, I think he held me where I was. Um, and I, I guess I had enough, I I had enough to know, like, I can't go anywhere yet. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get out the door, but I just can't 
do it. And he's a good dad and he, he stops us from a lot of destruction. But when I got here, um, it was a completely different experience. It was a different dynamic. And so you started talking about honor and, um, I remember we went out to dinner. I think it was like the, it was like the week after I came here the first time. And you're telling me about honoring people and I'm telling you about all of my weird stuff. And, um, and we, we had a good conversation and I kept coming to church here and then we actually got to know each other like for real. Yeah. And that challenged things in me That's hard because I was, I was putting you on a pedestal, uh, in such a way that, uh, was unhealthy. And, uh, when, when I got frustrated and when I got upset and the way you handled things and the way I should have handled, but did not handle and, and all anyway, uh, but it was, it was healthy, right? It was healthy because it, it taught me that, um, we're all human and we've all got our stuff and, um, and it brings it back to what we were talking about earlier in this conversation is that, you know, uh, Martin Luther had some stuff, right? Like we've all got some stuff, right? But like to know each other in the spirit and to honor each other in that way is like, Hey man, you've got your stuff and I've got my stuff, but like, I honor you as my leader. Like I honor, like David, I honor you as my spiritual father. Like I'm under, I'm getting the oil from the beard and that's <laughs> all I've got. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting the oil from the beard. And like, I've learned so much in the two years that I've been here. And, um, uh, honor is so important because not not just so that we have a healthy dynamic of like coming into the spirit and worshiping God and stuff, but like we have to be family. We have to. Yeah. And I think I think the best way to be family is not to just like let all the crazy out all at once. That that's that's not good. But but like let's not be afraid to let each other in. Yeah. And, um, and when we, when we, I don't know, experience things that way, like grace is really important with honor and you've given me a ton of grace over the last two years. (laughs) Uh, you, you have been nothing but incredible. Um, uh, here's the amazing thing is, um, you didn't. I, I don't know how you saw things and of course like whatever you were thinking in your head that didn't come out, you know, but uh, there's nothing but what's expected in the midst of a relationship like what we have. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, it's easy, man. It's easy. It's easy to love people. It's easy to do this life with you. I, I, and I, I love what you're talking about. I love you said you didn't have anything to add to the conversation. I'd say you added a whole lot. Uh, yeah. uh, but if we're ever going to, and I, w- I want to hear your take on this too, Luke, and, and your take on this, because I think, I think there's another dynamic that's underneath that's allowed us to be able to do that, is that 
we have, we know that this assignment is not to build a big church. Right. I mean, it's not that it's, we're not against it. I mean, we're not against big churches. Nope. And we're not against this one being big is, right. you know, like, I, you know, it's just not, it's just not the goal. And so if we're going to come out of the performance, right? Cause what do you do if you're going to make something big? What is the big problem with the, the goal of being seeker sensitive and being big and letting that be the only metric is that you have to be so plastic and you have to be so well put together. And the moment that you start doing that and you start being two people or you start being a performer and then somebody else that you're not, that dark space, that person is the person in front of people. That's, that's one thing. I mean, that's, so we all do that to a degree, right? I mean, like if you have company over, you just have company, you, you pull out right. the good silverware, you right. know, like if you go to a job interview, if you're in public, if you, uh, it, we all do that to a degree. It's the other guy. Cause then all kinds of other stuff seeps in, right? Because you've already created a closet and then you just start filling it. Right. But but that's the personal level, the the dynamic. So we can say that's bad. But then we have to go back in and we have to take down the performance. thing. And in order to take down the performance thing, we have to really actually say and this is probably one of the beautiful things about what we've been able to do here as being a church plan instead of being something established is what we actually have to be willing to admit. And it's what most people are afraid to see is the reason why they church hop is that we have to actually be OK with being somewhere in between where we were and where we're going and for us all to be all right with that dynamic not just all right with it but enjoying the journey of it and a part of the discovery of it and that that is what you have to say yes to if you're going to put away the performance Mm -hmm. yeah and that is that's messy absolutely where there's no ox the barn is clean you're right that's also revival because mm-hmm. mm. it means more things can come alive than just repentance healing slain in the spirit if revivalist things coming alive yeah if right it, then the more we expose to that atmosphere the more we're going to discover that he touches and makes alive. (laughs) And like, that's where we're going to see the, you know, the real thing. Ah. (laughs) And that's worth it. It is. It is because like, so, um, the part where you got to see the frustrated side of me, like during those, during those, two, three weeks that that was going on, uh, I would be alone in what is now a kitchen. Yeah. And I'm with, I'm alone with God and I'm so frustrated and I get to the point where I'm like, what are you doing? Like to God, like yeah. what, what is happening to me that you are doing right now? And he just like showed me this image of his hand refining 
gold, <laughs> right? Like as the gold melts, all the impurities come to the surface and he's taking his hand and going into my head and pulling out all of that stuff, all of that frustration and anger and impatience and ungratefulness, all of it. He's just like, it's all coming to the surface and we got to do something with it. And I think what I think will probably be my last contribution is just I was hearing the verse about, you know, we do not know what we shall be. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> we, behold, not all will sleep, but we'll be changing the blink of an eye. And, you know, the, as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so we'll bear the image of the heavenly man. Come on. So you Hallelujah. can see all the weakness that you want to see in someone. But if they're in Christ, their destiny, their current reality is they're seated with Jesus in heavenly places. Mm, yes. They're as righteous as Jesus Christ Come by on. imputation. They are, they have the authority as a son or daughter of Yahweh. Mm. And they're in the process of a transformation and glorification that we're not even, when we get to the end, we're not even going to recognize them. Come, Come on. on. There's going to be, uh, right, that's where we're going. Eternity. They will be eternally glorifying God in his kindness forever. forever. And so that's their that's where they're headed. Now, along the way, they may be ornery, they may be, be gossipy, they may be complaining, they may be driving you crazy, but that's where they're headed if they're in Christ. Yeah, yeah. And so let that sort of guy, how would you honor them if you could see the finished product now? Because that really is what knowing each other by the spirit comes down yeah, to. Yeah, that's right. You yeah. know. Oh, absolutely. I, I love that. And that, so it's being able to see the glimpses of the gold, right? And being able to call those. And, and, and that's, that's perfect. That, that's got to be some part of the marching towards the ultimate fulfillment of all of that, because that's what we do in worship. That's what we do when we proclaim the word. We, we testify to a kingdom. That's what we do when we take communion. We testify to a kingdom that is coming, that is here and is and is blossoming into the fullness so all of those moments all of those things if you think about all of the things that seem to testify and prophesy to you think about family you think about all of these things that testify and prophesy to the ages to come they are always about us honoring the glimpses yeah the <laughs> they're always what is baptism is us honoring the glimpse yeah what what is communion? It's us honoring the glimpse. Come on, what, what it, it, that's what it's always all about. Yeah, and I, I love like I, it's got to transform just the way that I think. And I, I I I'm thinking about like your angel story about like you, when the angel comes in and just wrecks you guys and yeah and just like hey and 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 in the midst of like not feeling like we were super and he's oh like yeah I'm, that's not who you are i'm coming we were, to interrupt we, that yeah we were not doing anything good or productive my, right my wife and i were complaining about so much stuff and the angel of the lord comes and in. the angel of the lord comes into the living room and releases peace come on not what we deserve no releases peace because it's your inheritance. This right. is not, this is. Oh, it was so amazing. I woke up the next morning and I was like, I got nothing to be upset about. Yeah. <laughs> nothing. I guess not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is, never mind. But, <laughs> but the, but, 
so I'm convinced the more, and this is maybe a good place to close, and or if we don't close here, we're just going to take off. We're just going to keep going, right? <laughs> right. So yeah. I am growing more and more convinced when I read passages like First Corinthians, or is it First Corinthians chapter number five, where he talks about um, the judgment about the judgment seat? Maybe that's Second Corinthians chapter number five. Yeah, yeah. And I'm more and more convinced that like the um, that when we see him. Right. Number one, and, you know, you can have any different theology on this that you want to. Number one, I I recognize that there will be rewards and loss of rewards and at the great white white throne judgment that we all stand before him and we all stand before him. Right. But I do believe this. I do believe that because there's no shame in heaven, there's no tears in heaven. I believe that that when we see him and we are made like him, I believe that that we are and we are finally going to be completely found. Yeah. As who we are. Yeah. And I believe that's the reason why David can say, I would rather be a doorkeeper mm. in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tent of the wicked. I believe there are going to be people who have, who can keep door in a way that nobody else can in the new heavens and the new earth. They have a heart for it to understand the way Jesus would keep door. And when they're unveiled from trying to be something else, when they're found, they're going to be a doorkeeper and they're going to say, I would have never wanted to be anything else. And I'm so glad. And this is who I've always been. And nobody can become a doorkeeper if we keep trying to make everyone a pew sitter or everyone a prophet. There has to be a grace to be able to see that there are things that have not yet been unveiled because because we've because we've only liked a handful of things that seem productive to the system right yeah. or if, fit in a religious context or fit in a religious absolutely yeah yeah right when we say doorkeeper the first thing we think is uh usher an usher right an usher. <laughs> but but what about the street sweeper what about the yeah. what about the um whatever some you know the community thing what about what about the the trash carrier you know like what about Mm -hmm. the things that we that do not work in a religious context that people that we have not yet found those pieces of the whole earth being filled with the knowledge of the glory of the lord in every square inch yeah Mighty God, glory! Right? If we're gonna, if we're going to habitate this thing, there's gonna have to be some kingdom zookeepers that know how to keep zoo like nobody else knows how to. There's keep gonna zoo. be some weed eaters that need to know how to weed eat like nobody's business. Yeah, we're, we're, the weeds are going right. Yeah, well, so, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So edge in the lawn, then. edge in the lawn. Uh, the uh, if, you know beekeepers, right? Like right. what does what's necessary in the new heavens and the new earth? It's not all preachers. 
Yeah. And honor gives us an opportunity. There will be no preacher. That's right. <laughs> Only worshipers. <laughs> That's right. There will, in the new heavens and the new earth, which, by the way, it just blows my mind there's going to be a new heaven because everybody thinks they're staying in the heaven that we have right now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's even going to be a new heaven, right? Yeah. Uh, but, but in order for us to think that way, honor will lead us on a path to be able to see things that we have never even thought were valuable in the kingdom because mm-hmm. God calls them valuable. So I would like to pray for people uh, for honor. Uh, whoever is listening to this right now, in Jesus' name, just let honor take you as far as it can go. Good God. Thank you, Lord. And take honor with you as far as you go. Don't ever leave a place of humility. Hmm. Actually enter into a place of humility where when you look at people, you honor God in them, you honor God on them, and you honor what God has made them to be and who they are right now. Lord, we thank you for the revelation of honor. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you have already set in place order, Mm. a government, Mm. authority. Mm. Lord, we thank you that right now you heal abuse. Yes. You heal people's hearts and their minds of places where leadership has been abused in their life. Lord, I thank you that you heal that right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that where, um, Lord, I thank you where people have tried to be uh, dishonoring, you take that away right now mm. and you heal those places in those hearts and, in those, and then in those minds, Lord. Yes. So, Lord, I thank you that you release a grace for honor thank over you. people right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And uh, so I just, when you were talking about humility, uh, I just, Father, I, I think I heard you say that uh, sometimes the most humble thing that we can do is to receive honor. Mm. We, we, we think it's humble to, to, never, um, to never value ourselves we think that's humility but i i pray over those that are listening that the most humble thing you can do as my as my pastor once taught me the most humble thing that you can do is come into agreement with the word of god the most humble thing you can do yeah. is come into agreement with the truth even if it stirs things up in you that you don't like or aren't willing to deal with. So, Father, I thank you that, that tonight that those that are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that you would receive and we as a people would receive the honor that is because of who we belong to and that is because of what God says about us. So to, to, to you, teachers, you'll have to receive double honor. Mm. 
<laughs> you have to receive it. And because it is the kingdom dynamic and you will pollute the field, you will weaken the soil if you will not receive double honor. So I, I pray over you now that you would receive honor because of what the Father says about you, not because of what you see. I pray over you that you will receive honor as a child of God, that it would water and develop the things in you that are of God, not not overlooking the other things. He'll transform those weeds. He'll transform those things. But to honor and to receive honor uh, according to God's word and according to a greater truth than the one that you prefer or the one that makes you comfortable. I pray over you today that you are honored and we honor you for who you are in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, guys, that's been uh, I-35 Highway. That was a good one. That was a good one. That was a good one. I, I enjoyed that. that. One. We'll see you next time. Streams flowing in the desert. Wilderness is about to bloom. Well, it don't look like much now. But you won't recognize it soon.